Hello and welcome along to Shaper Capers podcast. My name is Tommy Small and I'm Artistic Director of Shaper Caper. So we've had a bit of a revamp. Our podcasts are now called Finding Your Feet. We have the great fortune to work with amazing people, whether that's collaborators, whether that's performers, whether that's the amazing people that take part in our projects every day. And we thought, who better to interview than all of those brilliant human beings? For our first interview, I'm delighted to be joined by my best friend, Mark Franks, who is a singer in the platinum selling vocal harmony group, The Overtones. Hello, Mark Franks, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, yeah, happy to be here with my gin and tonic. Oh, oh yes, that's, we should get that out of the way actually first. So if you hear us slurping, we've agreed that to do, we're doing this on a Friday evening, the night before Halloween, and we decided it would be, it would be helpful to do it over a wee, a wee glass of something. So yeah, I'm on the pink Prosecco. I think I'm on the rhubarb vodka and elderflower tonic. Oh, very nice. Posh, isn't it? That's very, very posh, yeah. God, I remember you when you used to drink just uh, vodka and coke, and that was it. I know, I've got too much time on my hands, what with this lockdown. <laughs> well, let's start off then, um, talking about, so how did we, how did we meet? Um, we met because I moved down to London in, well, we always, we always argue about when it was, but I'm pretty convinced it was 1999. Um, just before the millennium um, and actually it was I know it was uh, May because it was the, the night of comic relief uh, yes yes it was yeah so um, and at that time you were living with um, some students from uh, London Contemporary at a, f- a house we like to call the cube because it was uh, it was shaped like a cube very original and uh, yeah it's like this old school house and uh, it looked like it had been plonked there by um, a load of UFOs. It was just in the middle of nowhere, this cube. And um, yeah, and I was lucky enough to come and live with you guys. Um, initially, it was just meant to be for a week because my friend was living there at the time. And uh, I was sharing like a double mattress on the floor of your lounge uh, with her. And um, yeah, I had so much fun in that week that I thought, well, be rude to leave now. So uh, I think six months later, I was still there. So, of course, Mark, you worked with us on a project last year. Was that last year? Was it 2019? I think it was 2019. Where you were the composer of the music for our show, The Unwanted, which was all about failure and um, was a bit of a comedy cabaret show. Um, And you made the most brilliant songs that were like dead, dead funny, where we spent the summer prior to the... Um, prior to the premiere of the show, just kind of inventing all this kind of like daft music and daft songs and kind of like parodies and pastiches. So, uh, yeah, what was that like? Yeah, it was actually, I really, it was really good fun. Not only because I obviously got to work with my, with my Bezzy, but um, I think I love songwriting anyway. And um, to be kind of almost like, writing autobiographical funny parody songs about about your life and uh your experiences was a was a real creative challenge that i um that i enjoyed rising to (laughs) absolutely well i mean you know i kind of i just thought well i mean you have remixed songs for pink and you've remixed songs for steps 
So, you know, I mean, who else am I going to call? Yeah, well, I mean, we get to do a, like a dance remix of, uh, of, of the songs. Maybe we should put out a little EP. Oh my God, that's exactly what we should do. I'd like to hear your lovely voice. You have got a lovely voice. <laughs> um, so I was kind of shocked about it because I've only ever heard you like sing into the rafters at 2am in the morning. Slightly out of tune, but turns out got a bit of a set of lungs on you when you get going. Well, as Celine Dion said, Tommy... Think twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Well done. We should really talk about your background. Like, so, kind of, that you're actually, you actually trained as a dancer. Do you want to tell us uh, a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I uh, started ballet at a really young age, so I think I was about three. Yeah, so my, my partner in crime at the time, um, if you can say that at three years old, was a girl called Caroline and she started ballet and we were joined at the hip. So it was like, if Caroline's going to ballet, I'm going to ballet. So I don't think it was like the love of dance. I think it was just that I didn't, you know, I, I had FOMO. I didn't want to miss out on what my, my, my best mate was doing at the time. But then she ended up um, moving away like a few years later um, and I just carried on. So yeah, so that was... That was me being doing my best kind of Billy Elliot, really, up until the age of um, 11, where um, my ballet teacher, who was, uh, I guess she was my Julie Walters, but she, um, I, was, I was actually the only boy in class. And by, by, that, by that stage, I'd sort of branched out and I'd done ballet and tap and modern. And, um, but my, yeah, my, my ballet teacher, um, yeah, re recommended that I audition for this play school, the Royal Ballet School. And I'd never heard of it before, and um, but I thought, you know, um, in, in for a penny. So uh, I gave it a go, and to be honest, not kind of holding out much hope, because um, I guess I, I didn't really have anything to compare my... I didn't know how good I was, um, you know, whether I was good enough or not, just because, you know, I was at this little ballet school in... in uh, in South Manchester. Um, but yeah, so then I had quite a rigorous kind of few weekends of auditions and, and I got whittled down, got whittled down. And then um, finally I ended up, yeah, getting in. So it was, uh, I remember it was quite, quite mixed emotions because I, I think I'd, I went into the kind of whole audition process thinking that, oh, well, I'm never going to get in. So I'm kind of just doing it for the experience. And, you know, I was 11 years old. so. I was just about to um, leave primary school, and all you know, all my friends were were heading off to to our local secondary school, and um, you know, they're quite formative years, aren't they? So I was like, kind of looking forward to that, and then all of a sudden, you know, it was a bit left field. I suddenly got into this ballet school, you know, at the other end of the country, which, when you're that age, feels like Australia, and um, yeah, and then and I got in. I can remember actually. Um, it'd been like a, a few months or whatever since the auditions and I'd kind of forgotten about it and then I was at I was at school and ironically I, we were rehearsing for our leavers assembly um, at primary school and um, and anyway I remember my mum came running down the, the corridor at this primary school with this letter in her hand like you know just shrieking and sure enough I'd, I'd got in so I think to start off with, I was like really 
I was kind of really excited. I was caught up in all the excitement. And, you know, I was really happy to see how happy my mum was. And, like, and, you know, everyone was making a bit of a fuss. And then, and then we went back to um, rehearsing for this Leavers Assembly. And I remember, actually, I was playing... It wasn't very musical back then. And I was playing... The, remember them two sticks you used to bang together? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was playing them. Um, or banging them. And then it suddenly, like, dawned on me. I was like, oh, my God. I was, like, looking around. And I was thinking... You know, we were rehearsing for this leavers assembly, and everyone else is going on to this secondary school, and and I'm actually going all the way to London, and I'm going to be leaving home, and you know, and I, I just remember I started to start crying, <laughs> but it was just kind of weird because you know, obviously a lot of people would, you know, would kill to go to to have such an opportunity, and 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 it wasn't it wasn't that it was wasted on me because I did really appreciate having that opportunity but at the same time I was a real mummy's boy and I was like oh my god how am I going to cope with like you know leaving home you know most people don't leave home until they're 18 do they so and were you were you actually crying because you were thinking who's going to play these two sticks now yeah people do it I was like the leaves assembly's ruined (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so that was uh that was an interesting I mean, talk, talking about, I know that part of this podcast is talking about sort of moments of your life. And I think for me, one of my um, defining moments was was when I when I actually started Bali School. And I remember mum and dad driving me down. And, and when you go to White Lodge, you have to go over this cattle grid to get um, into like, um, you know, the, the forecourt or whatever of White Lodge. And... Uh, yeah, I can just, it's really vivid. Like they'd settled me into my, my dormitory and we'd done all the unpacking and and then I had to go and stand like on the steps and, and wave them off. And it was like, oh my God, like, you know, and I remember mum saying that, you know, she kind of held it together. But as soon as she got into the car, she was like, because it, it must've been really hard for them as well. I mean, they must've been excited for me, but like at 11, although everyone does joke that about, Mum and Dad packed you off to boarding school in year eleven, but it certainly wasn't like that. Like they, you know, I think if they'd had a choice, they would have had me at home. But they knew, like I did, that it was a an amazing opportunity. Um, so yeah, I was quite lucky, really, to have such supportive parents, I guess. But it didn't make that didn't make it any easier, kind of waving them off over the cattle grid. <laughs> Well, yeah, so the idea with, this, with these podcasts now is that we want to talk to people about three significant moments or three memories um, that are kind of, that, that you really hold kind of dear to you. And that could be something that is like a funny story. It could be something that's quite moving. It could be something that for you was life-changing. So how did that go then? You know, when you're 11, you can't really get your head around the fact that you're so far from home. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you're kind of plonked in this whole new world, like... I feel like I need to burst into something. Yeah, so I, d- I do remember, like, initially, like, after I'd got over the shock of, like, mum and dad going, I remember for the first kind of two or three days, we had, like, um, an induction weekend where it was, like, just sort of getting to know your friend, your new friends, and, and getting to know the, the how the Royal Ballet School worked and, the, you know, um there were no lessons it was literally just fun time like get to know all your new friends like you know play in the in the park 
Um, and so I just thought this is amazing. Like, you know, obviously I'm missing my parents, but it's like such an adventure. And then like reality, reality uh, struck when we started our like our lessons and our, yeah, getting, getting to the kind of daily grind of like, and it was a full on timetable. Like, you know, you'd be up, you'd be up, at 8 30 8 o'clock whatever nor like you know like a normal school day but then you'd have to fit in all your edu- education like all your school subjects and all your dancing as well so you most days you do from like half eight till half eight like and then also on a saturday morning you'd have like scheduled like dance classes as well so yeah i think you know i think given i wouldn't say i'm lazy but I like a I like a bit of a balance in my life, and that didn't seem like a balance to me. <laughs> so uh, I did struggle with the, yeah, just with the, the sheer amount of kind of lessons and 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 I think that like in hindsight, I didn't because I never ended up going into to ballet. So I think I think to go to the Royal Ballet School, you have to like eat, sleep, and breathe ballet, and specifically ballet, like as opposed to any other form of dance. So, and I think what I realized quite quickly was that, you know, obviously I loved performing and I loved, I loved dancing, but you know, maybe it wasn't ballet that I loved. And, and that was quite a, a hard thing to get my head around because I was there for five years. So, um, and and, and it, what made it harder still was that every year you were re-auditioned. And I was really torn because I, I like, you know, honestly speaking, like I didn't really, know whether I wanted to get into the next year because you know all the way through White Lodge my friends at home were all like getting on with it and like they were at secondary school and the grass is always greener isn't it so I just every time I went home for the weekend I just felt like they were having such a good time and I, I just felt like I was missing out and um yeah so we we had quite a, a lot we had, as a family we had a bit of a struggle with like you know, should I go back or should I come home? And and then, you know, ultimately the decision was made for me in a way when I kept getting back in. I was like, why am I not getting back in? <laughs> um, yeah. So, and then eventually I got into the, um, after five years, I got, I auditioned for the, as you do automatically for the um, the upper school. And I auditioned and, and I got into the upper school. Um and then that was a real kind of turning point because it's like, right, this is this is it now. You know, once you get to the upper school, you're really setting yourself on a course to, you know, potentially or hopefully get into the the Royal Ballet Company. But at that stage, you kind of you need to be a hundred percent sure that's what you want, really. And I wasn't, so so I left. So as an adult now, like looking back at it, um, do you have any regrets about it? Um, no, I don't at all because I feel like it really shaped me. Like because I was a, which I think I mentioned before, but I was a bit of a mummy's boy, and I still am, and I love my mum to bits. But I think it gave me a, maybe a, a bit of independence that you know I needed, and a bit of um, yeah, it just toughened me up a little bit really <laughs> for life. Um, and you know to have that kind of sort of independence at such a young age yeah, I think it does teach you quite a lot of life lessons um and you kind of you you know did feel like I was thrown in at the deep end and actually I was like desperately homesick for 
for a number of years when I when I was there. And I remember when I got a bit older, like you know, when I was kind of fifteen, sixteen, in my later years at White Lodge, they used to use me as a bit of a case study because <laughs> they were like, you know, because I'd come so far in terms of like missing home and and you know, I still I still loved going home, obviously, but um, I'd managed I just I'd, I'd managed to settle there. Um, and I used to like help like the younger kids out just with, you know, the really homesick, like younger kids used to help them to sort of realize that they'll, you know, they'll be all right. They'll get through it and they'll, uh, they'll be all the, all the better for it probably. Um, but I don't, I definitely don't regret it. Um, probably because it's kind of led me to where I am now in a, in a strange way. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's set, set me on a path that's led me to to do what I do now, which I'm, you know, really appreciate. Mm, yeah. It's it's so fascinating as well, because like thinking about, you know, um, yeah, kind of where I, when I was at school at that time as well, like I hated secondary school, like hated it with a passion, mostly because I was bullied for being gay and all of that kind of stuff. So, so it's really interesting kind of thinking about, you know, what, what that's like, those formative years for young people are so hard as a, as a, a secondary school. And, I'm not entirely sure I know anybody who went to secondary school and actually enjoyed that time of their lives. So, you know, that early part of it, like maybe, you know, as you get into like fifth and sixth year, it gets easier and it's, yeah. and it's fun and all that. But it, it's hard. It's really hard. And, and to think, actually, we're so, we're so young at that time when all those things are, are, are happening and all the, you know, changes that are happening in your body and kind of understanding your place in the world and, you know, um, thinking about um, sexuality and attraction and all that yeah. kind of stuff as well. Um, so, you know, thinking about then, so as I was saying, I, I was bullied at, at secondary school for being gay. And I wonder then, because you were, you were in a, like, um, Are you a, gay? I am gay, I know. Shock horror. <laughs> Breaking news. You're going to see, like, all those things. On <laughs> Breaking news. Tommy Small's gay. Um, but did you, did you feel in any way, like, I quite often look back and think, oh, I wish I'd gotten to dance earlier and went to, like, a dance school, like, You'd, I mean, I, I didn't do ballet, so I wouldn't have got in there. But, you know, I wish I went into like a theatre art school or something like that as a young person. Do you think, it, was, it, was, it, was it any easier? I mean, I guess you can't compare because you, you, didn't, you didn't do that. But do you think it was any easier kind of, you know, growing up as a young gay man? Yeah, I mean, I think not just as a, as a gay man, I think just in general, given that I probably was quite, at that age, I was quite timid. Um, you know, I wasn't the most confident of people, so I feel like actually I'd um, I'd done the eleven plus when I was at primary school, and then I'd I'd, I'd passed, so I would have been going to the all boys like grammar school. Oh, the guy! Um, I know, but actually, in hindsight, I think that might have been a struggle for me because I feel like I really benefited from being in a mixed school, um, and also with kind of. I guess like like-minded, you know, kids who were all there for the same purpose. Like it wasn't like all the boys were taking the piss out of me for doing ballet because, uh, like, pop kettle. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I feel like it, it probably did really benefit me. And actually, because um, we were a relatively small um, class there, like each year had about. He started off with about forty people in the no. Yeah, actually, I think we started off with about 40 people in my year. And then because it got whittled down over the five years, by the fifth year, there was 16. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we were like, um, 
so you can imagine what the classes were like I, you know we so especially when we got to GCSEs like some of the classes were you know almost one-on-one -on -one, you know teaching so that's it's pretty amazing really and I think I think I really benefited from um just having yeah having those small classes and 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 not getting lost in a massive like huge grammar school where I think being at ballet school allowed me to kind of come out my shell a bit earlier maybe so you were like pirouetting around a room with almost one-on-one -on -one education and I was in Dundee on a council estate trying to not get battered for being gay we had quite a different upbringing <laughs> yeah I even thought like life would have brung us together <laughs> we, uh, we shenied into each other that's what it is uh, uh, yeah so I, I mean I, I think in a way I swerved all that because I've in terms of being gay like I never I never I've never encountered any kind of sort of bullying or um, homophobia really I mean I have been really lucky um, and I think that that's probably a lot to do with sort of the path that I've taken and um, yeah, so I, I do. I, I do count myself really lucky, and um, it's not until I've got a bit older that I've realised. I mean, it sounds obvious to say it, but obviously, other people don't have, you know, such great journeys growing up. Um, you know, doubting their sexuality and coming out and all that, and so I feel like. Yeah, I feel like I've, I've been really lucky. Okay, so let's then move with a big grand jetty away from the Royal Valley School. Do you see what I did there? Oh, very good. Thank you. And we're going to keep on moving on into your second significant memory. So, well, In which case, I'm going to do my grand jetty and then I'm going to swap my, uh, my ballet shoes for a, for a microphone. Oh, very nice. Oh, very nice. Um, yeah, I think if we're talking about a significant sort of moments I think um I think it'd probably have to be as as part of the overtones performing um for the Queen's Jubilee. Oh wow. Yeah it was like it was to be honest it's like in terms of pinch pinch yourself moments mm -hmm. like it doesn't really get much bigger than that for, for me. Um we'd um at that, at that stage, I think we'd probably been going for maybe about a year and a half, and uh, we'd been we'd been really lucky um, to have like this platinum selling album, and um, and things happen kind of once we were signed. Like you know, we'd been together for a number of years before we, before we eventually got signed by Warner, but um, once we were signed, things kind of moved relatively quickly. Like once we'd released the album, and then we ended up. Um, performing on Dancing on Ice and that was kind of the uh, the turning point for us um, and off the back of that we had all these opportunities so we were sort of travelling around the world and performing you know here there and everywhere and, and trying to release the album around Europe and so it was all going on and then we got asked um, by Gary Barlow um, just pick that name off the floor so there we are just pick that back up there uh, we go thank you <laughs> but he, so he he messaged us or messaged our management and said, would we want to perform on the bill for the Queen's Jubilee? So amazingly, we were kind of one of the first acts to be asked, believe it or not. But then um, I think at that point, he didn't realise who he was going to get. So it's quite funny because we slowly like moved down the list. Like Stevie Wonder popped up at the top and we got 
we got shifted down and then uh you know the likes of um called cliff richard and um kylie minogue kylie minogue hello um so yeah as as and when all these massive huge stars started um started saying yes we got a yeah we kind of shot down the list but um long story short um in the end there wasn't enough time for us to perform in the live show so we were asked whether we wanted to basically warm up the crowd so we were we were the warm-up act and, and we were like well given who's on the on the billing we're more than happy uh to do that and uh so yeah we, we literally got the full experience so we um we g'd the whole crowd up uh before before they went live and um just to see like you know i think it was at least half a million people down the the mall um i remember like being on stage and we were singing i think we just finished singing like why the fools fall in love or something and then i was like well, i'm gonna say something i was so nervous but i was like i can't let this moment pass without saying something so i was like everybody put your flags in the air and like literally like half a million people just like like a sea of flags and it i've never had so much power in my life <laughs> felt like a superhero yeah so then then we got we got um invited to the the after party at lizzie's gaff oh. and uh which was just amazing like pinch yourself moment so i remember walking into buckingham palace and we were greeted by none other than prince william and kate yeah it was absolutely crazy so i remember him saying he was i think i think he didn't really know who we were to be fair um obviously because you know we were kind of um we were overshadowed slightly by all the massive huge stars there but um he was chatting to us and we were saying oh we we performed it um at the beginning of um, tonight's performance and and we were asking him how he enjoyed the performance and he said well I you know absolutely loved it and and I and I know for a fact that my that my granny really liked it too and we were like oh my god he's just called the queen his granny <laughs> and, uh, and he was like and, and I knew she enjoyed it because she took her earplugs out <laughs> she normally wears well it's fair enough really because she goes to so many like we were saying about her going to all these like openings she also goes to loads of concerts I guess and so she you know she's not she's not the youngest of people so i guess she needs to protect her hearing where's the little earplug so she took her earplugs out because she wow. was enjoying it oh wow but I say, um true story that um that his granny was worried about the corgis oh. you know, the noise oh. yeah he was she was slightly worried about the the corgis how they'd cope with uh paul mccartney going for it outside a gaff. <laughs> what does she have the corgis outside with them? No, but the corgis are in the, in the palace, but they'd still be able to hear. Oh, okay. I thought they were like just running down the mall or something, like going for a poo on St James's Park. Uh, <laughs> and, and, yeah, and Kate as well. She was so lovely. So do you think? Do you think then the fact that you've just revealed that she took your earplugs out that I'm going to get a phone call from like the Tower of London saying that you've revealed like a state secret there that you're not that no one's meant to know. Well, to be honest, I was more worried about the fact that she took her earplugs out, which meant that she probably had them in for our performance. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure not. I mean, she. She. I'm sure she absolutely loves the overtones. I'm sure she absolutely loves you. 
Well, I got tickled by Stevie Wonder. Okay. Yeah. Are we going to be able to see this? Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, we, were, we got introduced to Stevie Wonder. Our management um, knew his management. Um, so we, we, we managed to, uh, to get to meet him, uh, you know, officially. And uh, we're chatting away and um, he was there with his beautiful daughter. Um, I remember him saying, oh, you know, don't, get your hands off my daughter to, to us, us boys. I was thinking, yeah, yeah, you don't need to worry about me. <laughs> but, uh, and then uh, he, uh, he was so lovely and we were chatting away. And then I think he picked up on my accent. So he started like mimicking my northern accent, but in in a really bad way <laughs> so, uh, I, I was kind of laughing at him and then I remember Mike from the band was like well go on then Mark let's hear your American accent so um yeah kind of uh, I asked for it really but then so I, I tried to give it my best like um like Stevie Wonder accent and uh it was terrible so to make me feel a bit better he started tickling me oh yeah and it did make me feel better <laughs> well, this is the start of a Daily Star uh, headline, if, if I've ever heard one. Um, <laughs> but, um, but oh, I mean, that's quite amazing. I mean, I have heard your American accent, so yeah, I can yeah. see why I can see why he did anything to make that stop. So, yeah, that's why I'm a singer, not an actor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember, like, I remember you. I remember sitting actually in our friend's house and watching that and I remember you texting me saying that you'd just bumped into Kylie and you were trying to play it really cool um, and that she was just like the nicest human being in the world and was chatting away and uh, was just being dead dead lovely and I remember thinking oh that's amazing but also thinking I'm so jealous <laughs> you've just met Kylie Minogue yeah actually she was so she was so lovely and I remember like we asked for a photo and and we'd have this photo and then she's like, oh, do you want another photo? We're like, yeah, go on then. And she was like, literally couldn't have enough photos with us. So I was like, it's all right, Kylie, calm down. <laughs> no, she was like, she, yeah, that, I was like floating on a cloud for like weeks after that. <laughs> Quite amazing. And I, I guess, I mean, yeah, you met our queen there because you met um, Kylie. But did you meet the queen? Well, do you know what? I did, I have met the queen. Uh, when I was at, when, because actually I've, I've missed out, I've, I've jumped from the Royal Ballet School to, uh, to the Overtains, but in between that, I was at a college called uh, Lippo in Liverpool. Oh, yeah. Um, it was Paul McCartney's old school and he, he converted it into a performing arts college and he was kind of the, the patron, I guess. And um, anyway, it was opened by the Queen. Um, and because I was the only boy on my dance course, um, as per as per usual, I um, I got to meet the Queen, so that was a bit of a perk. And uh, I remember I got to shake her white glove. And, uh, yeah, it was um, yeah, it was amazing, really, because uh, you don't you don't ever think that's going to happen. And um, yeah, I remember being really really nervous, and but she was super lovely, and because uh, you just think she must go to so many of these things, like openings of a. Yeah. you know of, of loads of different places and and she always looks like she's so interested yeah so. do you think do you think she just constantly thinks like the world smells like fresh paint because yeah. she goes like they just seem to like do up like does she just i wonder if that's like that's what she thinks like the world smells like i don't think it i don't think it smelled like fresh paint in our dance class 
<laughs> Anything but. <laughs> All kinds of body odors going on. Okay, right. So, I mean, this is, I mean, our future guests are really, I mean, you're really setting the standard here, Mark Franks. We're going from the Royal Ballet School to the Queen's Jubilee. And then, where are you taking us now for your third and final significant memory? A third significant moment. I guess, I think probably when, um, when my sister uh, announced that she was expecting. Oh. Um, I mean, my nephew is 10 now. So we're going back, going back to what actually just, just as I started with the band. Mm. Um, but, I mean, everybody goes through that, don't they? But I think when it's your the first kind of baby in the family and yeah. you know the, the first obviously the first niece or nephew for me and first grandkids for my mum and dad and it, and actually my sister was you know a little bit older when she when she fell pregnant and we weren't sure like we don't know whether whether kids were going to be in the picture or not so it's just a really lovely surprise and um and just really exciting to think like there's going to be this this new person in our family and uh yeah and it's it's a it's a lovely bond to have like you know with your with your with your nephew like i feel like really protective over him and he's um and he's such a lovely boy like he's he's done us all proud and um yeah so i think maybe that would be quite a significant moment just don't tell him. Don't want him getting a big head. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cute. And um, so, is he? Do you think he is he interested in dance or is he interested in music? Oh God, no. He's obsessed with football. He's he supports Chelsea. Um, he's actually really good at sports. Um, he's obsessed with computer games. Can't get him off the computer. Um, it's so funny that that generation as well because, like he watches like youtube like it's a telly yeah. and he'll like literally sit there and he'll watch somebody on youtube playing that he doesn't know playing a computer game yeah so rather than playing the game himself he sat there watching somebody else play a computer game i just can't get my head around it yeah it is quite it is quite bonkers it's a it's a completely new world like we 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 it's a whole new world. <laughs> it's oh my god, we can't move away from Aladdin tonight. That's got to be the name of this 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 episode. Surely. It's a whole new world with Mark Franks from the Overtones. It's fascinating. It's really yeah. fascinating. I know. It's like when I think back to when we met, and you you literally sold me my first mobile phone. <laughs> oh my goodness! And then that job paid so much money. So much money. And then it's really interesting, like, you come into dance and actually, it, you know, it's a struggle, isn't it? Working in the yeah. arts. And not only do I want to be able to pay my course fees for the year, but I want to make sure that all my pals are on a mobile phone. Because if I'm going to get a mobile phone, then who am I going to speak to on a mobile phone? I need all my pals to get one. So, yeah, I remember calling all of you, like, good afternoon. I believe your name is Mr. Franks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. I would like to purchase a Nokia 3210, please. <laughs> Um, it was a good job we got that sorted because I can vividly remember. I don't know why this sticks out in my mind because it's happened many a time. Mm. But we were meeting in Covent Garden, and I was like, oh, "I'll meet you at like two o'clock in the afternoon outside Marks and Spencer's on Longacre." Mm. And I must have stood there for about an hour and a half. <laughs> I was like absolutely fuming, and 
Yeah, you just run in a little bit late. A little bit late, uh, a little bit late, yeah. I'm not that's not mobile phones, then all of that could have been avoided. <laughs> and then I could, I could play snakes on my phone. Oh, I mean, could you imagine? That's what I was just thinking earlier. Isn't that really funny if there was, like, YouTube back then would have been, like, us, like, watching, like, how to play snake. Uh, like, <laughs> would have been, like, Sneaky Pie or something. If like, you had to watch a, a, a video about how to play snakes, then I'm slightly worried for you, Tommy. <laughs> Snake was really hard. Hard premise. You struggled with the snake. Yeah. Just eat the, eat the cube and you're done. And get bigger. I feel like we need to now move into our quick fire rounds. Oh, so yeah. Ready for our quick fire rounds. So, That's... this is a bit like that game, This or That, um, if you know it. I mean, I do believe that sometimes you do this with your overtones, but it's absolutely not where we got the idea. It's a completely original idea. Thank you very much. Okay, so welcome to. This or That. Okay, so we've got 60 seconds on the clock and we're going to ask you this or that. And you can't give any explanation. You've just got to make a choice. It's either this or it's that and that's it. I will never know why. Okay, right, here we go. 60 seconds on the clock, starting now. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Madonna or Kylie? Kylie. Oh, what? Coke or lemonade? Coke. Oh. Prosecco or champagne? Prosecco. Blackpool or Skegness? Oh god, that's hard. Um, Blackpool. Ice cream or pizza? Ice cream. Staying in or going out? Going out. Dance music or pop music? Oh. Dance music. Lady Gaga or Anna Grande? Lady Gaga. Phone call or text? Mm, phone call. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Breakfast or no breakfast? No breakfast. <laughs> McDonald's or KFC? McDonald's. Mustache or beard? Beard. Simpsons or Family Guy? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> Family Guy. Singing or dancing? Dancing. 80s or 90s? 80s. Summer or winter? Summer. Dairy milk or galaxy? Dairy milk. Oh, we're out of time. Oh. I mean, that was that was enlightening. Kylie over Madonna. I mean, I love Kylie, but even Kylie knows it's Queen Madonna, Princess Kylie. It's not as easy as Kylie or Madonna, because no. if you're saying... Old school Madonna or Kylie, if I had to choose to have one in my life, it'd probably be old school Madonna. But I feel like Kylie has been more consistent in pleasuring me throughout my life. That sounds well done. (laughs) Please don't sue us, Kylie. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mark, I've got two final questions then for you. So, the first one is... If you could give advice to a 14-year-old Mark Franks, what would it be? Oh, 14. Um, yeah, I think at that age, you, well, I did anyway. I spent a lot of time um, sort of trying to make people like me in a way. Yeah. So I think I would probably say um, have the confidence to be yourself. Um, 
I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, but they say like, be yourself, like everyone else is taken. So I think, yeah, I think just, yeah, be confident enough to in your own skin to be yourself, which it's probably quite a tall order, isn't it, when you're 14 and gay, but <laughs> um, give it your best shot. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was uh, like stretch, because um, you're at the Royal Ballet School, stretch. Oh, very good. Thank it's you. Tonight. <laughs> I'd probably say when you're six years old, don't listen to War of the Worlds. <laughs> my uh, my friend at primary school made me sit through the whole of War of the Worlds and it absolutely freaked me out for years, like literally years after I had sleepless nights, like so yeah. Don't listen to War of the Worlds when you're six. <laughs> Is that the one that goes dun dun dun? Now <laughs> it freaks me out. But it's that creepy, like man at the beginning that's like, "Who would have believed in the year blah 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 that aliens would invade the earth?" Like, it's just awful. Like, I was, it absolutely scared me shitless. <laughs> and then they released like a, it came out in the charts like in the early nineties, like a remix of it. <laughs> and I remember, I remember it coming on like when I was in my dormitory at Valley School, and I literally shot out of bed and ran like as far as my legs could carry me because I was so scared of the song. Like I was scared of the song. Scared of the song. Very bad, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I don't think I've ever told you this, but a few years ago, I think it was—I can't remember if it was the Royal Albert Hall, if it was the Opera House, can't remember. But someone was doing um, uh, a concert. Um, was it Radio 2? I can't remember, but it was somewhere where they were doing a concert um, about War of the Worlds, and I actually thought, as a Christmas present, I was going to buy you it for a total laugh, and then I remember the day that I bought you a ticket to go to the London Eye, and you refused to go on it, uh, because you were just terrified of going on that on that contraption, I believe was what you said. Um, so I then thought better of it, and thought, mm, I'll get you a Sharon Watts t-shirt instead. Um, it's got Sharon Watts's face all over your t-shirt, so. Yeah. That was well, better, it is too. <laughs> um, I've still not been on the London Eye. Have you not? After all these years, uh, I, I can't remember. I, I remember like going because I think I had to go and I think I, I then had to take someone else. I think I did. Yeah, like and I remember being on it and being in the total huff all the way around. Um, okay, and then the final question, then linking on from that. So we've had fourteen-year-old Mark Franks. Mm-hmm. So now let's think about ninety-year-old Mark Franks. What advice would you give to your future self? I'd probably, if 90-year-old me, I'd probably just give him a standing ovation and say, well done, (laughs) get to 90. And then I'd probably say to your 90-year-old self, throw this old bastard a party. (laughs) Well, it's the expectation most years that I have to throw you a party. So, yeah, why be different when we're 90? Well, yeah. I look forward to that moment then when we're both together, um, side by side, and wherever we are in a care home, and we're sunny ranch care home. <laughs> it's not sunny ranch; it just sounds like a care home. Maybe that's what we need to open. Maybe we need to invest in that for the future. Sunny ranch. Yeah. Sunny, sunny ranch gay care care gay care. Oh my god, I can't say it. Gay care home. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. There'll be enough of us there, won't there? It'd be like our 20s all over again. Well, thank you so much for joining us and telling us all about your life. I feel like um, Eamon um, Andrews or um, 
Michael Aspel on like, this is your life, taking you through your life. I'm afraid I don't have a big red book for you. Um, for after oh, like, I remember more like a Vester Anton or something like that. Yeah, we'll go with uh, we'll go with him. What's he called? This is your life. I think. Well, I think originally he was called Eamon Andrews. I think it was the original, and that was Michael Aspel. If you remember Michael Aspel, yeah, I think it was. I used to love a bit of This Is Your Life. It was dead good. Remember that there was that what you can watch on YouTube, and I forget who who it was, but she point blank they surprised her with it was some actress like. Hollywood actress, and they surprise her with a "This is your life," and she's like, "Fuck this!" Like, <laughs> point blank refused to do it, and they couldn't film it because she was <laughs> out of the chair or she wasn't <laughs> cooperating. I think she's sorry. It's a bit of an insult because it was like my life's not over yet. Thank you very much. But yeah, dun 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 dun. No, that's the episode, darling. It's always a delight to chat to you. Always. I actually feel like I've, I've learned even more about you in these, in these moments, if that was possible. Well, it's not Well, you just proved my point exactly then. I was going to say, it's not often I get to get weird and edgy with you, Tommy, but <laughs> privileged. I also feel like I've been really nice as well to you all, all through this thing. Um, so, yeah, we need to stop that now. We need to come back with some like witty uh, repartee now. So, yeah. As soon as you press stop on that recording... Well, thank you very much, uh, Mark, and good luck with um, all your ventures. I mean, you didn't tell anyone about synthetics and your amazing eight days dance workout. Well, you never asked, but yeah, we're um, uh, for those of you yeah, that that's all we've got time for now. Um, yeah, you need to come and check out our eighties um, ultimate eighties workout. We're called Synthetics, and um, we're currently. Um, yeah, we're currently likering it up for our, our workouts once a week on Zoom. Uh, seem to be twice a week. Um, yeah, if you fancy bopping around to all your favourite um, 80s classics and uh, doing a few grapevines, then, yeah, see you there. So, yeah, definitely go check them out. Well, thank you very much, Mark Franks, for joining us. Um, and um, thank you everyone for listening to our podcast and see you on the next one thanks very much bye bye